Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. Turn It Around, The Story of East Bay Punk is a documentary from 2017 about, as the name implies, East Bay Punk. Uh, joining us today is Craig Lewis, who is a peer support worker, um, in many ways a, a mental health advocate. Uh, and um, Craig, say, thank you for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, I want to mention a, a few resources up front because I, I, we always like to emphasize resources um, on this podcast. There's a couple uh, crisis uh, text lines available. In the U.S., you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. In the UK, you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, um, check your, your local listings, SACX, I know there are other text lines as well. Uh, now, um, Craig Lewis, again, thank you for uh, being here uh, today. I appreciate it. All right, I'm happy to be here. Let's just let's, let's make right. this happen. Absolutely, now, now turn it around, the story of East Bay Punk. Um, the thing that I that really resonated with me as it pertains to mental health topics and, and mental illness, et cetera, et cetera, is and I'll be honest with you, I am obviously biased, predisposed in favor of punk music because I have always found it to be therapeutic and healthy and helpful. And it's not a coincidence that one of the recurring themes of, of this documentary, which I believe may have been financed by, by Green Day, which I'm not thrilled about, but they didn't really turn into a puff piece. So I, I surprisingly, um, what was uh, the word community? And that's something that has been helpful for me. Um, have you had a similar experience in, in so far as um, you know, feeling better about uh, about life and, and and whatnot as it relates to, to to punk music. Well, I'd like to say, firstly, once a punk, always a punk Definitely. in some way or another. Definitely. And uh, to answer your question, you know, it's like uh, one of those things where it's fair to say, and I think I'm not the only person who could say this, that uh, punk rock nearly killed me <laughs> uh, one last time then it saved my life. So a lot of people come to this uh, community of people that are connected by, uh, often by music and ideals and, and beliefs, and also often with a shared history of uh, trauma or, or something really, really challenging happening in their lives that made their lives different than your average kid. And uh, well, when that happens, you then will find people like yourself in that community and that can result in friendships connections, community, and more. At the same time, uh, while that can be great, it can also be a perpetuation of, of uh, like self-destruction. So we always have to be very careful of ourselves because when we step away from, you know, regular current, you know, contemporary society and you come together with people like you, mm -hmm. well, life's gonna be more difficult and uh, you gotta take that uh, with a lot of care. Well, well, what, um, what, um, 
what what set you on on your journey into you know the the, the wild and wonderful world of uh, you know mental health and and being a, a peer worker? What 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 set you on on, on your path in, in that di- direction? Well, when I was a kid, my parents abused me really badly, and I, ultimately I was put into treatment. And the treatment really was what made me sick. So I spent my adolescence in a very, very poor state. I spent most of my 20s and 30s not well uh, due to the child abuse and then the treatments I was given. And ultimately, uh, in the mid-2000s, I had to make a decision after my life had collapsed for the umpteenth time. I made the decision that uh, if I didn't get better, if I didn't get help, if I didn't have a change that was an improvement, that I wouldn't I wouldn't be on this planet any longer. So I sought out a therapist and uh, in the phone book, uh, I, and I left her a voicemail and I got a message and I went to see her and uh, she challenged me. She could tell that I was a person who was ready to work to make his life better. And so I engaged that ultimately as part of my, as part of my therapy, you know, I, I said, I want to work. I want to have a job. I want to be a productive member of society. I mean, I was in my thirties at this point. And through that process of trying to find myself and find a better way and participating in my therapy and my healing, I found out about, a, ultimately, I found out about a peer specialist training program, which was the first year it was offered in the state of Massachusetts where I'm from. And I uh, was very, very fortunate to be uh, interviewed and accepted. And I went through the program and I graduated. And then that is really how I became a peer worker. And uh, it's quite a blessing because I was told my entire life that uh, there was something wrong with me. I was told my entire life that I was never going to amount to anything. And I was told my entire life to just not even try. And so the fact that the things that you know they said was, was wrong with me was actually something that was right about me changed the dynamic inside my, my brain, how I thought about the world. And it helped me begin to live a better life uh, that I'm still working on creating for myself today. Oh, cool. Well, um, and, and that's a testament to, to the value of, of therapy and, and of counseling. Um, I know that I've had uh, counselors as well who've made that, that, that difference in my life. And You know, sometimes there's a really good, good therapist, a good counselor, and sometimes they're not so great. People need to know that not everyone's going to help you in the same way, and you need to make the right decisions and keep trying until you find something that's going to be good for you. True, definitely. What what has been the area of specialty or area of focus in 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 the in the, the peer support work that you've been doing? Well, my current focus for the past few years has been self. I guess like self revolution, you know. To to to, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't live in the United States for a reason, for many reasons. And when it comes to helping make the world a better place and helping people like me, people who are survivors of trauma and abuse and who've had it, many people have it manifest into addiction issues and other mental health challenges. You know, we, we come from a place where, where we are, are in a position where it makes it that much harder to, 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 to that much harder to succeed, that much harder to have a better life. And 
thus it stopped being a really good place for me to be to do my work. So my focus these days is, and I have to remember this for myself because sometimes I stray, is to really do what I can to help myself and the people I care about, which are many who are many, mm-hmm. even if I don't know them, yes. build and develop a foundation with which to really rise up and not only just take control of their own lives, not only just take control of their own futures, but to live in the moment and show that other people have the capacity and have the power and have it within themselves to choose to take, to choose to jump into action and use that process to change your lives. And I do believe it's true. I do live it and I do encourage it. So that is my role. One of my roles at this point in time is to help people in my sphere and beyond. If they can't, take it in to at least hear it, that it's absolutely possible to change your life. So you alluded to this just um, a little while ago, as far as getting better and, and helping others and doing all of what you're doing through, um, through, through what you're doing, that in and of itself is an act of revolution in many ways. Is that, would you agree with that statement or would, would, what would you say in response to that? I would agree with that statement that what is more self-loving? What is more like, like more self, like what is a, a more powerful expression of who you are as a, as a creature, as a thinking being than using what you've got, no matter what's happened to you. Mm-hmm. to change yourself into a better version of you that that is that is a self-revolution when you when you have the power when you well actually let me me correct that statement we already have that power Mm -hmm. but society makes it very difficult for us to see it or harness it or use it and so we don't try nearly as much as we should we certainly don't encourage people nearly as much as we need to be doing and so it's true that when you choose that power becomes yours and you can transform yourself into anything you want mm-hmm. that's true that's my that's what i'm up to that's what i want people to know definitely so so by way of the healing power of art and the healing power of creativity and the healing power of, of just you know creating um you know being the author of, of of your own life and the author of your future and i know you've got um some books coming out um that is something that it sounds like you're you're in agreement then also as far as the healing power of art of art and and creativity to um if not heal um to at least um lend you know point the way to to healing well healing healing is a process correct i mean we can have a wound in our body like a cut and that generally it can heal without any issue but sometimes it leaves a scar. So it's a long-term ongoing journey. So, um, and, and what is art? What is, what is art? It's, it, it, it's an expression of, of, of something from within you. Yeah. So whether it's art or it's music or it's dance, which is all art, by the way, Definitely, photography yeah. or singing or, or like just praying or, or whatever it might be it's integral to the human spirit to heal. It's part of you. It builds into who we are. So those gifts that we engage with art, music, et cetera, 
Those are our gifts that we can tap into that we can use for ourselves to make the world a better place and also to help ourselves heal. That's why coping skills are are so plentiful and many. You know, that's why yeah. you know I'm listening to music, I'm taking a shower, do whatever you might do. Yeah. And, and in some weird way, if I had never been bullied in school, because I, I was bullied uh, most, most of school, uh, if I had not been bullied and rejected and, and beaten up to the extent that I have, um, all the punk kids in high school, they were the ones who kind of, you know, welcomed me with open arms. It's like, oh, you know, the, you know, all the jocks and, you know, the, the mean kids, they're, they're the ones being the jerks. Here, here, listen to this, you know, we have the new seven seconds single that just came out or, or all. And there, so there was a sense of, um, you know, of welcoming in a way you know, not a guarantee that I would not be bullied, but some insulation from that in many ways, because they uh, they were also bullied. And so they weren't going to be in a position to bully me too. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but I, I, they weren't thinking about it that way. They, 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 were, they were noticing, here's a guy who's a little funny like us, just a little different. And yeah. so those, those same kids over there are messing with us. So they're messing with him. So let's let's do something let's let's have him bring him on in even if he's not this or he's not that or he's different no it doesn't matter that's what we're all about yeah. i think we're around the same age or so because but mm-hmm. probably from a similar era so that's very mm-hmm. legitimately real especially back in those days yeah and and so in some weird way if i had never been bullied i probably never would have had much appreciation for for you know punk music you Brother, know? like <laughs> it, it, it's remarkable because um I was hospitalized for the first time in 1988, April 13th. And I had like brief exposure to punk rock before that. I had yeah. a copy of Maximum Rock and Roll, but it was all happening. I was like 14 and a half years old. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. And uh, my day, my first day in the hospital, you know, in the milieu, the community yeah. area, yeah. there's a woman there who was definitely punk rocker. And uh, she was wearing all black and she had some like bracelets and, piercings and uh i asked her i mean i knew i knew she was a punk rocker so i we talked about music and i asked her to borrow tapes and I, that was my first day <laughs> listening to uh dead kennedy's and black flag and the like it was april 13th 1988 inside of lock psychiatric hospital and just get this my parents they were so invested in crushing all the beauty within me like yeah. like my my love of art and music and, and culture and my interest in the world they were just so afraid of me being me, that um, they wanted to shut down my musical adventures and my letter writing and all this. Guess what? They put me in the hospital first day. I listened to punk rock, the very thing they wanted to crush. Yeah. I mean, that's how I know everything's perfect because if that didn't happen, like your situation that you're describing, you wouldn't be here today doing what you're doing. So yeah. it's pretty amazing how life works. Yeah. And in, in some weird way, the older you get, the more you can appreciate the lyrics of Suicidal Tendencies song Institutionalized. You know, <laughs> all I wanted was just one Pepsi and she would, you know, uh, you, know <laughs> the, you know what I mean? It, it's like everything in that song, it, it's like it was just the opposite. I mean, it's just the opposite of what, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only one. Like all Where the people you? who should have been institutionalized 
you know, as it as it exists, and I don't think it really exists to that extent. Um, you know, to some extent it does, but to some extent it doesn't. Those are the ones who did not get institutionalized, and the ones who did were the ones who didn't need to be on. You know, so it's kind of funny that, that in some weird way that song, if you flip it in reverse, is true for so many people. Uh, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, well, look, I'm, up, I'm look not... up YouTube on institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go on record to say that anybody should ever be institutionalized. But yeah. on your point, um, if if people who should have been like <laughs> kept out of the mainstream, so they couldn't yeah. do certain things, well, that group would include my parents. Yeah, and. Uh, the psychiatrist they they had working for them so um it's it's kind of an awkward thing to say yeah. but without my parents and the, the the sketchy people they were involved with yeah. wouldn't have become the man i am today and though correct. although i'm a work in progress correct you know i mean how blessed am i to, to be here right now talking correct. with you living uh, in a beautiful place like about to publish a new book mm -hmm. you know connecting with new friends i mean come on that's a pretty amazing life to have you know that this is a pretty amazing life so yeah although it all happened and life is hard and trauma is real and i thought about you know not being here a million times um here we are and so yeah. that is what matters <laughs> and that's absolutely what matters. absolutely and one thing i did want to clarify for those who might be listening and not familiar with that song institutionalized my social disease it is I don't want to say a novelty song, but it sort of has garnered a reputation of being a novelty song. Not so much when it came out at the time, but by today's standards, it's still, you know, in a way is sort of regarded as, as a novelty song in the same way as like a Take the Skinheads Bowling or TV Party. And it's not the same as uh, Ozzy Osbourne song. Exactly. Suicide Solution, which yeah. uh, he was taken to court because of that, in fact, uh, that song, Suicide Solution, was an anti-suicide song. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting how the how how, the, how others perceive certain things. Mm -hmm. So that's why it is important that you clarify these certain things because the, the general public does not really know. They're not truly informed. Mm -hmm. It's true. Definitely. So that's something that I, I did want to emphasize when I mentioned some of these songs is that taken in proper context, don't take the songs at face value. It's, I don't think they were ever intended to be taken at face value and certainly not face value by today's standards either. So definitely, I, that point is, is worth repeating. Absolutely. Um, all right, all right. Now, um, so what what about the, the, the books that you have coming out? What um, what's what are those books about? I'm about to publish the Craig Lewis Guide to Surviving the Impossible, mm -hmm. which is a, a workbook slash book of poems, and it is about and how and includes the story and how I got better and what I did to get better mm -hmm. and the things that happened that caused me to be so unhealthy, all in one. And it's going to be available this month, December. It's done. I'm just yeah. finishing up a couple things. And so it's got 15 passages and worksheets, five poems, and some other great things as well. Yeah. So it's intended to help people 
live as the self investigated, induced, initiated, whatever you want to be discovered revolution that you are with that within yourself to be able to live the life you deserve, especially during these most trying and challenging times that everyone in the world is facing. And the second book is called uh, Your Crazy Volume 2. And it's an anthology with 20 stories written by punk rockers from around the world, including somebody from Arizona. And it's about their stories of what they went through, trauma, addiction, uh, mental health, and and what they're doing to be okay today. And uh, actually, uh, they're a punk rock pair specialist uh, sharing their stories as well. So I think you'll appreciate that. Cool, cool, and that and that really underscores the 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 point that you're not alone. I know many people listening today might feel that you know just getting out of bed, you know, takes all every fiber of, of their being. And for those who might be in that position, um, I want to assure you that that you're not alone. And the work you're doing underscores that. I'm living it, brother, because yeah. because I have to. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. You you just said the phrase, fiber of your being. Yeah. There's only one place uh, <laughs> historically that I've ever heard that phrase. Yeah. And, and it is in the uh, 1992, maybe, or 1992 yeah. uh, era, uh, seven inch uh, EP by the New York City punk band called Nausea. Nausea? Oh, are, are you, are you kidding? I've. I've... I've, I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, they have a song called Cyber God, and there's a lyric in, in, on that record where uh, they talk about the fiber from the, of their being, yeah. fiber of my being. So I've never heard anyone say that before <laughs> other than me or someone <laughs> quoting that record. So that's great. That's great. Cool, cool, yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's a lot. That, well, well what, um, what do you think accounts for those who had a less than memorable experience with punk and you know many of whom are no longer with us for variety of reasons and those who have lived to t- what do you think accounts for that that difference that's a great question chance mm-hmm. um upbringing yeah. Uh, class. Mm-hmm. But the thing about punk rockers is that we, because we are a microcosm of general society. Mm-hmm. So all, all, all parts of society have all parts of, of the scale really of like better off and, and worse off, et cetera, et cetera. And how that, how that goes in a big circle. And so we're just human beings. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Like, and so you're just as vulnerable as anyone else. And, you know, some people are hurt too badly. And, and just who hurts yeah. people? Like, who, who, if you're a 15 year old kid, mm-hmm. you don't have that many opportunities to get hurt. Like, you got hurt by people you knew or someone in your life generally or something, something like that. So, yeah. Whose responsibility is that? Like the kid's responsibility, yeah. who's trying to like live in a world and like make sense of these horrible things, you know? 
And so when you come to communities of people who are in different ways, have experienced different, but mm-hmm. like the very hard, harsh experiences of life, yeah. you can't really expect that community to, to like know how to handle stuff. They're going to handle stuff yeah. in their own way. Yeah. And that, that hit, the way we, we may handle things, that often results in people not being here. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not glorifying not being here, but like who's responsible at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Like, like the chicken or the egg? If the egg was like hatched in a toxic environment, mm-hmm. but, but somehow survived and grew up into a big chicken, mm-hmm. like, do you still blame? I mean, I mean, come on. Like, yeah. You can't blame all the chickens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause the thing that I, uh, yeah. Cause the thing that I've always found fascinating is that the whole assembly line model uh, in the, at least in the U.S., the assembly line model of get a diagnosis, get your meds, get, you know, go to the hospital if you need to. That assembly line approach—that's not all—that's not a uniform recovery approach because there are um, recovery models in other countries and well, actually elsewhere in the U.S. I, I believe where it's almost like a like a clubhouse type format where there's like a community center type format where there's not so much cold and clinical uh environment but a, but a more community-based environment and the the research that i've seen on, on on that recovery model it just blows my mind as to why that has not become more pervasive and well, I would imagine money has something to do with that, I would imagine, because if, if insurance companies can't profit off it, that would be a large reason why it's not as prevalent as, as it should be. You're 100% correct as far as I see it, and you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> money is the reason why. And if our society uh, didn't, if, if hundreds... If tens of millions of people didn't sustain their lives in the United States of America by providing services for people with issues, mm-hmm. um, they would just, people would be benefited in how to cope with their issues so they don't become perpetuated. Yeah. The mental health system could help make lots of people's lives a lot better. Definitely. But it's a business. And so if your job is to help people get better, what happens when they get better? And, and if you don't want to lose a client, and I mean the, the, in a macro yeah. way, yeah. Then, then your system is not going to be de- designed to result in, in taking away from, from its revenue. Definitely. And that, that's, that's the entire system. Yeah, yeah because... That's what the system is. Correct. And, and I'm sure that you've come across... The, well, I'm not sure if it's debate necessarily, but the two sides of meds, you know, the ones who are super anti-meds, don't, don't take any, and then the ones who are just the polar opposite, who need meds to function. And then in, in both cases, someone is getting rich off all those meds. And why isn't there more of a, like a sliding scale for those meds? Because that's a lot of money well, being being made by people who have bipolar, who are making all these companies essentially rich. Well, I get a handful of comments. Yeah. First comment is that uh, 
the uh, anti-med groups, some of them are making lots of money off their message as well. Yeah. So there's a profit going on there. Uh, a lot of people want to say that I'm anti-medication. That's ridiculous. I don't classify one drug over another. Mm-hmm. If I have a bronchial infection, I'll take prednisone mm-hmm. if I have to. But um, I don't take psych meds because they're bad for me. Yeah. But I don't really give a, excuse my, I'll keep it clean. That's fine, you know what, <laughs> yeah. what someone else does. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to tell them the truth. But my job in this world, uh, one of my many jobs, is to give people information Mm -hmm. to make their own decisions. It's not my place to tell someone what to do or what not to do. I don't need to participate in the mudslinging that goes on between activists, activists who who ultimately, all of whom, in one way or another, just want the world to be a better place. Definitely, yeah. Or their lives to improve, or their families' lives to improve, or their children's lives, or their whatever's lives. So I see no, no... point and debating oh you should do this you should i don't care about this yeah um there's a lot of truth to what you said about about the profit thing and and i'm I'm not gonna like go on record and say that um mental health conditions the way that we just they describe them Mm -hmm. are true or not or exist or not or or people experience the world and react to it because it's human it's healthy Mm -hmm. to react to trauma and develop like manifested like reactions that are outside the norm, which is how they classify us as something like with a label when actually we're human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say that um, all human beings, I believe, have the capacity to to look within themselves yeah. and 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 figure out better ways to cope with the things that they have to face. And yeah. and yesterday is yesterday. You can't change what's already happened, mm-hmm. but in every moment you have the capacity. You have the capacity to make a decision, do things better. And as you go through your life, and when you get sick and tired of things being the way they are, you have the capacity to make a decision to do it differently. And once you start, once you start going down that path, or going up that path, right? Yeah. You're gonna to continue to make progress. It's going to become part of you. You're gonna experience changes. That's got nothing to do with pills. It's got nothing to do with words or labels. It's got to do with you facing yourself and you making decisions that you're worth making your life a better place. And if you make that decision, then you're going to have improvements. It's the way it is. And any mental health worker of any sort, any advocate of any sort that tries to tell anybody that they should not be like dedicated to their self-improvement, to their healing, to their heart, with or without any participation in any program or modality or, or treatment, like you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're breaking your kneecaps before they've learned to, to, to walk. No, this happens to adults all the time. So um, I want to just bring out that message to the world that we have a responsibility to everyone else in the world to kind oh. of let people know that deal with what you've got to deal with, but, 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 but deal with it, take charge. And if you're not happy, like you don't like how you're being treated, you don't like what's going on, get someone else, make it happen. You're worth it. I'm living proof. Definitely. And, and that's why I've always emphasized resources and education on the, and why I mention the crisis text lines that, that I do. And actually on that point, I had made references before I, I hit record and, and, and we're, you know, before we were recording. Uh, but as you may know, in the U.S., 
the there was a, a recent legislation which passed which would uh, make official a three-digit suicide hotline which basically reroutes the suicide hotline to a three-digit number which takes effect i think in two years so it's not real time but it's in about two years time um and and i think and i mentioned to you that one of the things that i i have reservations about is i think for purposes of suicide prevention i would i think a um it sort of what you know sort of breaks into the difference between suicide intervention and suicide prevention. And I think if the, the number being rerouted or, or routed to three-digit number, if that is a, a dial-a-cop number where people are simply calling the cops on themselves, I, I have a hard time seeing how that could be sustainable as you know, an effective means for suicide prevention if it just replicates what's going on currently? Well, I guess I'll be the guy to say it. Yeah. Often when you call 911 or something like you're describing yeah. because someone's in mental distress, mm-hmm. well, often enough, I should say, the person in distress ends up deceased. Yeah. And so that's not how you make money mental health system mm-hmm. by having people I'm not, I'm not trying to be like obnoxious jerk here, yeah. making a bad joke, mm-hmm. but like, like it just kind of illustrates, like, if you want to help people, help them. If you want to, if you want to prevent suicide, prevent suicide. Exactly. You want to help someone like, like, like have a better life, help them have a better life. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you, you view it in the United States, there's money attached to everything we just said. Yeah. Helping people have better lives, helping people heal, all of this. So it's a very big conflict for people who work in a certain kind of profession. Your job job requires you to do certain things to get paid. And the people who are paying you and and your your, your clients, et cetera, they they want you to help them get better. It's very complicated. Yeah, and and the thing that just blows my mind is – if they did what exactly what you're describing, you know, helping people get better and, and taking steps to prevent that, they would in many ways make more money than they're making now because the, the person getting better would inevitably be more productive. They'd be able to, 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 to work for those who aren't working. And it, it would, they'd, they'd make more money than they're making now. So it's, it's kind of things that don't make sense to me. It's like they see they it's like that they're happy with what they're making now when they could make even more money by helping people you know what I mean it, it just doesn't add up you you're, you're <laughs> talking about different days <laughs> there are many days involved in this conversation yeah yeah, yeah that's what that's 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 the answer yeah but it, it just it doesn't make sense to me that they could make more money than they're making now by doing, you know, more hands-on than what they're doing now. And they could be making, you know, because like I said, then you'd have people, you know, going back to work for those who can't work right now. And those, and and you'd have so much, um, you know, and not to, you know, define it in terms of, of money only, but you, you would have that difference because people would you know, be better and they'd be out and about. There's lots of things that can be done to make to make 
society better. She created a better world for us all to help each other, uh, but just mutual aid, you know, Mm -hmm. making things better for each other. There's no reason why we have the, the, you know, quote unquote problems we have Mm -hmm. in our, in our our society. Mm -hmm. Most of them are resolvable. You know, the root of many mental health issues uh, comes down to Maslow's hierarchy of need. If you don't have your basic needs met, they're going to react. Food, clean water, a, you know, sleep, you know, clothing, a safe place to be. If you don't have those things and others, how can you be expected to be a functional human being? You can't supplant lacking basic foundations in your life with pills and other things or, 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 or some sort of treatment. You need to go down and go in and address the issue that, that's at hand. You don't address the issue that that's at hand. You then become a perpetual customer. Definitely, and, and correct. And you had made mention of getting a second opinion, and and I did want to you know reiterate that for those who might be listening and they didn't have you know the best experience with a doctor or counselor or whoever, get a second opinion. I mean, your your happiness is, is worth it, and and your health and well being is definitely worth it. So. You know, there, I can't be that can't be emphasized enough is getting that second opinion. Your happiness is worth it. You're worth it as a human being. You weren't put on this planet to, to suffer. You were born like we all are mm-hmm. as an innocent, harmless creature with no, no, no thoughts of harming others, with no hatred, no violence in your mind. You learned at some point. We learned at some point. And when you're taught stuff, well, you're supposed to learn what you're taught, right? So when you're taught, that when you learn correctly, then you become a teenager or a young adult and you have all these incorrect ways to be and then there's something wrong with you yeah. and then it's your fault. I don't think so. Yeah. That is just a screwed up timeline and I don't buy into it. And so, hey, yeah. I live in Mexico now because I rejected <laughs> that and society yeah. rejected me, you know, you know, speaking this truth. That's okay. I'm pretty happy right now, brother. Yeah, I mean, cool. Considered. Cool. Well, what um, as, as we wind down for for this episode, I, I did want to ask you, uh, for those who are having a rough time, and this this might be the only contact that they have today, uh, what would you say for, for those who who are having a rough time today? What would you you, you say to those people? Well, um, I'm having a hard time today. I'm also having a good time today. Okay, yeah. I know that, that's a, kind of a funny contradiction to say, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, I've gone in and out of like feeling a little overwhelmed uh, several several times today. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be in the moment, and so the whole world's like a, like a six billion person mental hospital right now. <laughs> the rest of us have already been through it, and we have yeah. some some survival with it. And so, I'd really just encourage everyone to remember that that you do have a lot of power, and that that tomorrow is possible and it's unwritten and that yesterday is over. You can't change it. But right here, right now, like how you view yourself, how you view the world, like, like look for the love, you know, look for the beauty, look for the art, look for the yeah. connection and, and, and connect with that and let it become you. And then, and then make tomorrow happen and do it again because, because you're worth it. And Brian, you're worth it. Oh, and so I'm worth it. You Everyone are. is. So, that's what I, thank you, brother. So, so that's what's up. Just, if you really want to live a better life, it's your decision. Mm-hmm. It's your choice. Uh, yeah. As hard as that is to say, yeah. it's your choice. 
Definitely. And, and I did want to mention a few more resources uh, for, for those out there. I know that there is Mental Health America. Their website is mhanational.org. There's also National Alliance on Mental Illness, nami.org. As people have mentioned, madinamerica.com, which is a lot of uh, research current research on um, medicine. Um, Craig, how would people get in contact with you if they had any questions about uh, about your, your projects? Currently, my website is under construction. And so thus, please write to me at punksinrecovery at gmail.com. P-U-N-X dot I-N dot recovery at gmail.com. I have a Facebook author page www.facebook.com slash Craig Murray Lewis, because my middle name is Murray. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it is. And also, if you want to just check out my books directly, you can go to lulu.com slash spotlight slash better days recovery press. And my new website is expected to be finished around January 1st. And when that's done, I'll send you a copy, Brian, and you can share it with people. Oh. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And and that's going to be right around the time frame when everyone should be hearing this. Um, so it looks like it'll it'll work out, you know, right on schedule. Excellent. So, so well, I do thank you for for uh, joining us today, um, Greg. Thank you for for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, those of you at home or at work or driving to work or wherever wherever you may be. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and um, talk with you next time. Uh, Talk to you soon, everybody. Much love. Keep up the good work. Thank you.